3: we yes.
0: season is officially underway in the state of Montana and around the region with the Big Sky kickoff media event commencing on Spokane on Monday. Hello, I am Coulter nuanes The 13 head football coaches along with standout players from each of the Big Sky conferences, football affiliated members, met the second to last weekend in July with the media. The league rolled out a variety of announcements including the league football schedules for 2022, 2023, and 2024. The Big Sky also announces preseason award winners highlighted by preseason offensive most outstanding player Eric Berrier. Senior quarterback from Eastern Washington, and preseason defensive most outstanding player Trey Walker, a senior linebacker at Idaho. Weber State was the consensus pick by the league's coaches and affiliated media as the preseason favorites. The Wildcats have won or shared four consecutive Big Sky titles, including winning the most recent conference crown last spring. WSU has qualified for the FCS playoffs five times in a row, including making the program's first ever run to the semifinals during the 2019 season. The Montana Grizzlies were picked second by both the Big Sky's coaches and media. The Grizz won 10 games in 2019 before electing the played just two in the spring. Eastern Washington was third in each poll, while Montana State was fourth. For more on the preseason poll and preseason all-conference team, tune in to Nuanez now on Monday beginning at 4 p.m. for all the latest from the Big Sky Kickoff. Montana all day. Keep playing that Black Magic Woman stuff, Tommy. Welcome back. Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN, Missoula. Maybe you're watching in statewide television, SWX Montana TV. We're now in the studio. Don't be alarmed. We're coming to you live from the Big Sky Kickoff in Spokane, Washington. I'm Coulter Nuanas. Andrew Houghton joining me for the Montana Football Hour. We're going to hear from Sam Hero from Herder Hero Sports. In just a quick minute, plus John Casper, the Senior Associate Commissioner from the Big Sky Conference, will join us uh, later on here in hour number two as well. Appreciate everybody for participating, and it's it's a fun day. It's a birthday. It's Skyline Sports' eighth birthday today, plus Andrew Houghton, a former and now returning writer for Skyline Sports. He'll be back in the fold this fall producing content on the Grizzlies, the Bobcats, and the rest of the Big Sky Conference, and also contributing uh, from time to time here on Nuanas Now as well. So happy to have Andrew back in the fold. If you missed anything in the first hour, Andrew and I debated a lot of the news coming out of this Big Sky kickoff from the uh, new uh, schedule release for the 2022, 2023, and 2024 Big Sky Conference football seasons to the preseason MVPs, Eric Berrier, quarterback from Eastern Washington, and Trey Walker, a linebacker from Idaho, to the preseason polls, which mirrored each other identically, 1 through 11 for both the coaches and the media polls. We also heard from Dylan Cook and Jace Lewis from the Grizzlies and Brett Vegan from the Bobcats. If you missed anything in the first hour of the show, you can find all that on the podcast, which is available on all your various podcast hosting platforms or our station website, 1029ESPN.com. The podcast is Presented by SportsBet Montana, BlackBook Communications, and the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. You want to be involved in the show? You want to give us your feedback? Who got snubbed for the All Conference? What do you think of Montana being picked second? Montana State being picked fourth? What do you think of Weaver State being picked to win the league? You want to be involved in the show? All you got to do is shoot us a text 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029 and Tommy will give us you know, all that feedback and uh, you can be involved in the conversation with us. Before we get to Sam Herder from Hero Sports, I got a bone to pick. I know I'm the guy that screams and yells the loudest about the all-conference stuff. I think it's a very flawed method. I also sometimes will fully admit that I have uh, proximity bias. A lot of times I think the teams that I cover have guys that are better. Uh, The fact of the matter is the teams I cover the most closely, Montana, Montana State, Eastern Washington, and to a certain degree, Weber State, those are the four teams in the league that are the best. That's why we cover them the most. That's probably why I think they have the most all-conference players. I also have not seen UC Davis live in several years, so I'm not. I, I will say that I think that I probably am underrating UC Davis, which then in turn leads me to one of my biggest beefs on the All-Conference list. I thought that Montana State. I voted for seven Bobcats on the all conference preseason all conference team. That's probably a little much, uh, but I do have a couple big bones to pick. When you look at the running back position, I voted for Isaiah Fonse and Elijah Dotson. I think it's fully justifiable for anybody that voted for um, Josh Davis from Weber State or Alonzo Gilliam from UC Davis if Marcus Knight from the Grizzlies wasn't hurt. Uh, I think that he would have gotten a lot of votes too. So I think Isaiah Afonso is the best running back in the league. He also needs to prove that he can stay healthy because he's never played a full season at Montana State. So while I did vote for Afonso, I don't think that's a crazy snub. Elijah Dotson and Josh Davis both did get preseason All-Conference. They're returning All-Americans. Okay, I'm fine with that. At the offensive tackle spot, I voted for Tristan Taylor from Eastern Washington and Lewis Kidd from Montana State. I believe that Lewis Kidd is one of the five best offensive linemen in the Big Sky Conference. He can play both guard and tackle. He can play both the left and right side. That, I think, makes him invaluable. Plus, he's sort of the heart and soul and one of the primary leaders for the Bobcats. But still, I can also understand how Colin Beaver from Montana was the choice over um, Lewis Kidd from Montana State. But my biggest rant is about Chase Benson being left off the all conference team. Chase Benson is, uh, in my mind, the best nose tackle in the league. I know Montana State's going to a four-man front, but I think Chase Benson is absolutely uh, the best interior lineman in the league, other than Jared Scheiss from Weber State, who was my other selection and a selection. Uh, It's not to take anything away from Brady Rogers, but I just think Chase Benson, a uh, Helena Montana native, is as good as it gets when it comes to the interior uh, defensive line. We got to get to Sam Herter here, uh, but I'll give you some more reaction on the all-conference list, and we'll wrap things up with Andrew Houghton right after this. But first... Sam Herter, great friend of this show. Great to see him in person. Sam Herter, Hero Sports. His thoughts on the Big Sky kickoff. Well, how about this? We're sitting in the Davenport Grand Hotel in downtown Spokane. And a guy that comes on this show... uh, so often is finally sitting here next to me, live and in person, Sam Herger from Hero Sports joining us here on nuanas Now, and a pleasure to see you
1: in person, my friend. How you doing? I'm doing good, yeah. It's, it's always nice to, to do an in-person interview, whether it's radio or with players or, or coaches and all that. So yeah, it's great to be back here um, and talking with you guys, with the media, and players and coaches as well.
0: It's uh, sort of overwhelming when you haven't done this in a couple years. You forget that there's 13 teams in the big sky, so when everybody brings a head coach and two players each, uh, that's a lot of guys to interview. That's about 40 total that we have had to make the rounds with. But fun to see everybody in person. But anything stand out to you just about the sort of uh, media day that you're attending here today?
1: Yeah, so one of the questions uh, I asked the players, uh, especially on teams that played, you know, six, seven games in, in the spring, is how are your bodies feeling now compared to a normal, you know, summer offseason? Just you played spring season, you're turning things around quickly, playing in the fall. You know, how, how are the bodies uh, holding up? And, and most of them, for the most part, said, you know, it took about a month after the spring season of, you know, kind of, Feeling sore, but after that, they said they were all feeling good, and so I think the worry of of like the too short of a turnaround time. Uh, I think overall the players are are feeling you know fine. Body was. This is actually something
0: funny. I could go on a whole tangent on this, but I've been thinking about this for a long time, because the the NBA has become such a load management league that's trickled down even into mid-major college basketball. Coaches around the Big Sky Conference, I hear them all the time talking about we need to keep our guys' minutes down. And on one hand, I get it; it's smart, it's scientific, all of that. But then I also sit there and think to myself, well, these guys are 21 years old. They're like the greatest athletes in the world. They're fine. They're in such great condition. Like there's guys in Big Sky basketball that. Could play 40 minutes a game easily, and they would be totally fine. But I thought it was interesting because most of these guys did say, "Hey, we thought we were going to be way more screwed up than we are, but we actually aren't really." So maybe, in fact, some of the, the the points that were made as far as the potential quote unquote detriment of the spring season are not, in fact, uh, coming to fruition.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, obviously, that was great to hear the players say that. I do think that I mean, the later you get into the fall season, maybe there are some wear and tear. You know, just the more hits you're taking, like maybe that can when the, the spring season. Came maybe come up to, to, to bite you but overall um, most of the big sky teams especially have said like they only they didn't suffer a whole lot of season ending injuries in the spring which would also be basically two seasons uh, ending injuries uh, and so yeah it was interesting in the spring too you before the spring season you had coaches saying yeah we're gonna rotate a lot of guys rotate on the offensive line we'll be playing six linebackers and then when you watch the games it's the it's the same three starting linebackers the whole time because hey if it's a close ball game like you're gonna have your starters out there and so uh, yeah I don't think that's there's going to be a lot of load management in the spring or in in the fall either. Sam Hero, Sam Herter, Hero Sports.
0: Got it all twisted up here. I'm just so excited to see him, you know. Uh, joining us here on Nuana's Now, 102.9 ESPN, Missoula Statewide Television, uh, SWX Montana Television. And I think that's also part of it too, Sam, is that I think there's a general perception amongst the public that the largest chance you have to get hurt is playing in a real game against a high-level opponent. But I've always thought that was a false narrative. I've seen some of the most devastating injuries I've ever seen when, you know, a Montana State is playing a Division II team, or it's not necessarily you go play Oregon and you just, or it's just a massacre. It's not necessarily true. And you look at Montana State this year coming out of spring ball. They didn't participate in any spring season whatsoever. They still had a lot of guys get banged up. It's just the way that it's going to go in football. So I don't necessarily think that extra games means extra injuries. I think it's just a matter of of chance. But also, I've always been a strong proponent, and I've talked with Bobby Houck from Montana about this extensively, too. Sometimes more hitting is better because you learn how to hit and get hit. That was one of the demises of the Rob Asher at Montana State. When they stopped hitting during practice, then all of a sudden the injuries spike through the roof. I think if you hit a little bit at least during practice, uh, it helps. And you so you've seen teams around the country. I think NDSU sort of has this similar philosophy, right? North Dakota State, they they have contact quite often during practice. So, um, I mean, what, what's your thought on this? Because
1: it seems to me that uh, it's a level of chance way more than it is maybe a grind that wears guys into dust. Yeah, I think teams Practicing different, they certainly practice yeah. different in the spring, not as physical. Uh, I know some of the players said their off-season training has been, you know, a little less uh, intense than than past season, especially for some of the teams that, that played maybe six, uh, seven games. But I think overall, all the players were, were kind of happy with how their springs, you know, went about. It was, it was, you know, some teams were happy with playing six games. Even you know, talking to the Portland State players, they say, hey, we played one game, kind of got kind of got our buzz kicked, but it was nice to go. To to Montana, because they made us realize that hey, we're not close yet. Like we, we need this is what we need to work on. Um, and even you know some teams like uh, you know talking to Montana. Just you know, I asked them, did you guys watch the playoffs? You know, was it a bit weird watching you know Sam Houston play South Dakota State when you feel like you could maybe beat some of those teams? Uh, and they said, yeah, it was weird, but it kind of made us more hungry to. All right, you know the fall is go time, uh, and so you know these are the teams we're chasing. it was it was funny. I asked Coach Houck if he watched the FCS playoffs game. She goes, yeah, I watched them live. We also watched a lot of film on Sam Houston and South Dakota State and James Madison. And so it was just interesting to hear everyone's opinions about, you know, the spring season and how many games they played and all that. Several pieces of news out of this uh, media event conference, the Big Sky kickoff
0: here in Spokane, Washington. The first thing that was released was the three-year schedule of conference play, uh, including the removal of Southern Utah from the league. And so a lot of reordering of what some of the biggest critiques were of the former Big Sky scheduling process. now they're going to guarantee that at least every team, if you play at this school for four years, you're going to play every team in the league home and away one time. So that's a, a remedy. That's an improvement. But then there's also just a lot of other sporadic deals. But not to go through the details of it because that's mind-numbing, Sam. What do you think of just the way that the league is, it is in its construction and iteration because it is an unbalanced league still, and so you're never going to have a perfect schedule unless you have uh, some sort of a reduction of teams. But right now for 12 teams, this seems like the best they could do.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it's tough. To, to find a, a perfect schedule balance, and it's always going to have unbalanced scheduling. I, I do think the the tier two of the Big Sky has gotten a lot stronger, and so I don't think it's as top heavy where you had like the top five teams and everyone else was just kind of you know not competitive. I think the tier two teams uh, are, are going to be even more competitive, and so I think uh, no matter yes, you're still going to win the the scheduling scheduling you know lottery. Like I know Eastern Washington, all their all their top games are at home, you know. Sac State avoids three of the top four teams, I want to say. And so it's funny, too, I asked the coaches a little anonymous thing, like, who's your preseason favorite to win the conference? You can't name their own team. That's where half of them are like, "Mm, you know, I haven't studied the schedules too much yet. And so, like, you have to take schedules into consideration when forming, you know, preseason rankings and, and polls and all that. One of the other pieces of news, Eric Berry, Eastern Washington senior quarterback, Trey Walker, Idaho
0: senior linebacker, named the preseason most outstanding players on offense and defense, respectively. Your thoughts on those two winning the awards. I think that uh, one was not a surprise and one might have been a surprise.
1: Yeah, I mean, Berry wasn't a surprise. Uh, I I believe he was my vote for Walter Payton Award winner in the spring, and so I have obviously a, a very high opinion of him. I think he's the most electric offensive player in the FCS, so that wasn't a surprise. Defensively, I mean, My guess would have been Jace Lewis. But then again, I mean, Trey Walker is, I mean, he's a stud. Like, I probably, like he, he's a beast, too, at, at middle linebacker. And so that was, it was a mild surprise, you know, when I heard it. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, he's like th- this dude, like the NFL scouts like him. He's a playmaker. You know, he has highlight hits, you know, big-time big hits. And so, um, well-deserved, too. But I'm guessing, I don't know if they released the vote point totals, but I'm guessing Jace was very, very close to being number one.
0: Nuana's on now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television. Division. Sam Herter, Hero Sports, joining us. We're coming to you from the Big Sky Kickoff media event in Spokane, Washington. Preseason poll, another piece of news coming out of this thing. And uh, they the polls mirrored each other 1 through 12 in terms of the coaches and the media in the exact same order. The top five went like this. Weaver state number one, Montana number two, Eastern Washington number three, Montana state number four, and Sacramento state number five. Um, pretty much everybody I talked to had those same five teams in their top five in some order or uh, some form or fashion.
1: So what did you think of the way that, that that voting played out? Yeah, it was interesting. Like you said, you know, those were my same five teams. Uh, you know, I had, I think I did Weber, Montana. Montana State, Eastern Washington, Sacramento State. Um, and I think we I actually talked about this last time on your show when I was on that the more I look at Sacramento State, I probably would have, if I were to redo it again, I probably would have slid them up to number four ahead of Eastern Washington. So it was interesting that EWU was the number three team, you know, but they are, you know, they have the best quarterback in the conference coming off a playoff appearance. And so you, you can understand that. <laughs> Anything else about this
0: surprise you so far, or I guess what are some of maybe
1: your more
0: untold or or uh, mysterious storylines in the big sky this year?
1: Um, it's it's interesting and. In you know in Montana Montana State fans might might scoff because they they know I went to North Dakota State but just talking to people players and coaches I mean North Dakota State even though they lost in the quarterfinals in the spring they're still viewed as the kings of the FCS Um, you know I asked the 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 coaches uh, you know you can't pick yourself but who's your preseason favorite to win the national title a lot of them said NDSU I asked the players who's one team that you want to play this year, that's not on your schedule. A lot of them said NDSU, and so that's kind of what I found fascinating is that they lost early in the playoffs, yet they're still kind of the, the team to beat even though they're not the defending champs.
0: It's just so funny the way that the narrative is adjusted to depending on what the previous level of success has been. And a quote-unquote early loss for Eastern Washington in the quarter or of North Dakota State, excuse me, in the quarterfinals of the FCS playoffs, where many, if not most, teams in this league or in any league would be touting success and praising themselves for a quarterfinal. I mean, Montana, last time they played a full season, 2019. Ten wins, coming off a quarterfinal berth. They've been touting it and, and ringing that horn the whole time. You know, Montana State had a quarterfinal berth for the first time in 35 years. So it is an interesting deal when you talk about that, just putting things into perspective. But uh, in your mind, I know we're at basically media days, but North Dakota State is the the giant that looms over all of this. So do you still believe that North Dakota State is the team to beat in the FCS?
1: Uh, I think I don't think so, but at the same time, I think whenever if they do lose in the fall, it's going to be. Treated like a ginormous deal. Like whenever they've rarely lost, you, the the opposing team always like rushes the field. And I think that's still gonna be the same thing where it's still like slaying the Giants. Uh, if if a team does knock NDSU off this year, uh, I have I have them number four going into the season. Uh, I have Sam Houston one, Southwest State two. I have James Madison three. Because um, I mean, a lot of people just look at NDSU from the outside and say, well, they have if they fix the quarterback position, they'll be fine. It's still it's it's a little bit more than that. I mean, they're cornerbacks are very, very young and they're going to face some really good wide receivers this year. Their offensive line was good by FCS standards, but it wasn't the standard that we know about NDSU, and so they need to figure out, you know, a, a solid starting five. But um, then the quarterback position, you would imagine Quincy Patterson, the four-star recruits, Virginia Tech transfer, he's going to win the job. Uh, he's a dual threat guy, so they'll get the running game back into their offense. But the knock on him and why things didn't work out at Virginia Tech was he wasn't a very accurate passer. And so if you have that you know if you have a lack of a passing game Montana State fans know this we're the the secondary isn't threatened by your passing attack at all. That's going to be a problem. And so, N. S. U. will be fine. Like they'll be good. They'll be national title contenders. But I don't. I, I don't jump them right up to my number one team uh, going into this season.
0: Sam Herder, Hero Sports, joining us here on Nuanas Now, 102.9 ESPN, Missoula, Statewide Television, SWX Montana TV. Speaking of North Dakota State, Brent Vegan, deep North Dakota State ties. He has a North Dakota State degree. He was at North Dakota State for more than a decade as an assistant. Spent seven years at Wyoming, and now he's the head coach at Montana State. Is this your first time meeting him in person? Uh, I guess since he's been Montana State's head coach?
1: Yeah, yep, it has been. I don't know if I ever connected with him because I was at NDSU from 2011 to 2015. And so, and so you know, he was, he was there for the first three years. But I don't know if I ever connected with him, but I talked to him today and it was kind of funny, uh, small world. I think uh, his wife has brothers that live in Breckner's, Minnesota or something like that and I'm from Breckner's, Minnesota and so it was just kind of like a small, you know, I went to NDSU, I'm from Breckner and so it, it was kind of an interesting, you know, kind of small world thing talking to him. Sometimes,
0: a lot of times, coaches talk like they're mentors. He's a Craig Bull guy. Do you, do you hear any
1: Bullisms in him? Yeah, I mean it's um, interview wise, it, it's more... You know, low-key, you We're know, di- different than show. you know, obviously. Uh, but I think well, everyone's there with the joke. <laughs> Right, yeah. <laughs> It'll be hard to uh, replicate that. But, yeah, I mean, it, you can, I think, the, the style of play, um, I mean, even even watching some Wyoming games. I mean, I felt like I was watching NSU from 2013, and I think you'll see that with Montana State uh, as well, maybe a bit more under center. Um, you know, it sounds like they're doing more 4-3, so a guy like Monterey Williams will have to get used to having his hand in the dirt. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, I think his, his philosophy, you know, stems from Bolt because he was, he's been under Bolt for 20-some years learning from under him. And so, I, and I know I said on your show, but I thought he, he should have been their number one. Uh, guy from the start, and he may have well been, but I, I thought it was a home run hire. Montana comes in at number
0: two in the preseason poll, Montana State number four, despite the fact that Montana State had the upper hand against Montana, not only in the Cat Grizz game, but then in the playoff run back in 2019 as well. So do you feel like that's a reflection of the coaching change and how much of an impact do you think the coaching change has just on the outlook of Montana State for this fall?
1: Yeah, that that probably plays a part uh, just because some of the schemes and stuff like that for Montana State will uh, will change, uh, you know, first year head coach. And so, you know, you never know how, how, how that goes, uh, as well. Um, I also get the sense that teams that didn't play in the spring, maybe got slid back a little bit, not purposely because they didn't play in the spring, just because it's been so long since we've seen them like Sac State, and Montana State. It's been so long since we've seen them play where, you know, maybe other teams slide up uh, ahead of them. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think the coaching staff at Montana State will do a good job.
0: Your take on Montana, because it seems like uh, the narrative has been return to dominance, build this thing. Bobby Hawks has been very candid and very open about uh, the, the definitive weaknesses of his team. But now he seems very confident that they've remedied, if not fully fixed, all of those perceived weaknesses. And now, Montana, uh, back toward where the Grizzlies were used to being uh, during Houck's first seven years at the helm. So, your take on the Grizzlies?
1: Yeah, I, I, I like what they have uh, this year. Uh, Coach Houck, obviously, really likes what he has this year. I mean, it, it, like I said, he they were breaking down film of the four semifinalist teams. Yeah. So, that means they expect to be with with those teams at the top of the FCS. And I think I, I think I have them number five somewhere in my, in my top five uh, going into the season. So, um, I mean, obviously... It, got to get stronger uh, in the trenches if you want to beat a team like Montana State. Sam Houston is great in the trenches. South Dakota State has a great offensive line and you yes, see great in the trenches and so Montana has had basically two years to develop those big guys on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Yeah, a quarterback is still a bit of a question mark but um, they'll need to find a new running back too with the Knights uh, out for the season but I mean you have a Kem there who I think is one of the best FCS receivers and he's going to be the new quarterback starting uh, the new starting quarterback's best friend so they, they got talent all over the place.
0: Sam Herder Hero Sports joining us on Nuana's Now. One last question for you, Sam. Is there a dark horse in this league?
1: Um I like I, I Idaho State Idaho State and Portland State are kind of the two picks. Yeah, and Portland State is a good one because they have a rare returning starting uh, quarterback. Uh, Idaho State, I mean, I I like Idaho State's quarterback. Um, They've always had great wide receivers. Um, Defensively is where I kind of hesitate because they haven't been that strong defensively. Um, But, I mean, they were competitive in the spring, and so I don't know how far they would rise up, but if there was a team that would sneak into the top five outside of the normal five teams, I would probably go with Idaho State.
0: Sam Herder, Hero Sports. Go check out all his great work. He's been getting everybody around the FCS prepped and excited for this upcoming season. Sam, I know we always do this, but tell people once one more time how they can find your stuff.
1: Yeah, our website is heroesports.com, and then I'm on Twitter at Sam Herter FCS. A pleasure getting to be joined by one
0: of the best in the business here live in Spokane, Washington. Big Sky kickoff media days. It's new on, us now, 102.9 ESPN, Missoula, SWX, Montana Television. More after this.
2: to
3: more. This is Nuanes now on one oh two point nine ESPN radio, Missoula. Happy can't
0: wait. Can't wait. I'm like a hey, television, SWX Montana television. Thanks so much for joining us here on your Monday. We're live from the Big Sky kickoff in Spokane, Washington. We'll be back in studio tomorrow. All sorts of stuff to catch up on. But first, got to get to John Casper, Senior Associate Commissioner from the Big Sky Conference here on is Now. Welcome back in. Nuana is now coming to you from the Big Sky kickoff here in Spokane, Washington. Not quite live, pre-recording this one, but we're at the Davenport Grand Hotel, downtown Spokane. I'm here now with John Casper, Associate Commissioner for the Big Sky Conference. He's the head of championships and a guy that's been around this league for a really long time. And so, John, first and foremost, we're back sitting here together in Spokane and uh So great. I mean, I hadn't seen some of these football coaches in three years. It's amazing to actually get to see them face to face. So you guys must be happy to at least be hosting some sort of an event where we can actually have real life in person
3: conversations. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, You know, not having football in the fall last year. (laughs) I I spun into a deep depression (laughs) because I love I love this to get to get our student athletes back here to get our coaches back here to be face to face uh, with the media, the coaches, everybody. It just makes you feel so much better about things. I mean, the last time we saw each other, we were in Boise at our basketball tournament. We found a way to get that done, but I didn't know you had a beard because you know you, we were wearing masks. You know, I, you know, you didn't know I was missing three teeth. So,
0: <laughs> well, much has happened over this last year, but I think that uh, one positive note. This is, this is talking to business owners and uh, media people in all sorts of different uh, realms of, of society. But it seems like if you embrace, well, you never want to embrace a pandemic, but if you embrace the time that was sort of unnormal. There was ways to smooth things out. Like we smoothed some things out at ESPN and at Skyline and it seems like the Big Sky did a lot of work behind the scenes, whether it comes to scheduling or a new media deal, a whole bunch of other things too. So uh, just take us through it because it seems like you guys did get some good work done even if it was sort of a hectic time.
3: Yeah, I mean, it was a hectic period. Uh, I mean, the amount of times we redid schedules, the amount of meetings we had about protocols. So there was all that things going on you know, just to get games in, to get championships in this last year. But we also wanted to work on moving forward. And since Commissioner uh took over, um, that's just been a primary goal of his. We are moving forward. We are going to get better. And so we had been uh, working with a consultant out of New York for about the last 18 months on, Knowing when our media rights were going to become available, and positioning ourselves to be in the best spot um, when that when that became available, and and you know the last uh, you know this spring that really started to heat up with offers coming in, and, and ultimately led us to announcing um, you know the ESPN uh, Plus contract, and today having our first ever event um, on ESPN Plus. But there's uh, uh, you know that's just one of the things we we launched a. A really cool initiative called um, Big Sky U, um, that we're helping uh, you know assistant coaches that want to become head coaches or associate athletic directors that want to become athletic directors, and um, you know brought in people from search firms and different um, you know, different kind of business entities to help people um, because we want to we want to do that too we want to build champions for life whether that's our student athletes or coaches uh, or administrators we all want to make them uh, better One thing, especially in the
0: state of Montana, that people are always asking about, wondering about, is the TV element of this thing. Several big announcements over the last month and a half or so, including, like you mentioned, the ESPN Plus deal. But then uh, some solidification of some of the big-time national and/or regional games. The uh, two ESPNU games this year will be Montana at Eastern Washington at the Inferno on October second, and then Montana State at Weber State uh, on October fifteenth. So two of the biggest games in the league uh, on ESPNU, and then. also, the Root Sports schedule is out as well. Four games on Root Sports. Cal Poly at MSU on October 9th. Idaho at Eastern Washington October 16th. Southern Utah at Montana on October 30th. And then, of course, the uh, Brawl of the Wild, the Cat Grizz, Cat, whatever you want to call it, rivalry game November 20th in Missoula, Montana. So, um, John, I know that this has been a point of great emphasis, trying to make sure that uh, there's great and accurate and uh, solid viewing options for people around the conference. So just tell people, Bradley about ESPN Plus, the deal,
3: and then all of these other uh, sort of media rights things that you guys have gone through the, this last off season. All right. So for ESPN Plus, obviously the vast majority of our video stream, the things that have been available for free on Pluto TV, will now move over to the to ESPN Plus. Um, now you do have to pay for that. That we understand that's that's a change, but the price point on that is is uh, really good at six ninety nine a month, and it's something you can bundle with. Uh, Disney Plus and Hulu and ESPN Plus for like $13 a month. So like in my family, I've got kids. Um, they watch a lot of Disney uh, Disney Plus, so we already have it. And there's a, like over 10 million people that already have this. So, um, I mean, it, obviously being with the ESPN brand is is huge for our conference. And now when you tune in and someone may watch a Missouri Valley game on a Saturday, and now the Big Sky game is, is right there. But what, what I think is important for our fans and alumni to understand is this does not mean espn is bringing a truck and producing 600 events during the year right. this is still on our schools and this is how it is uh with every school pretty much that's on espn plus it is up to the schools to to do the production as it was in pluto but this is like going from double a baseball to the major leagues right so even before We knew we were going to sign this contract, and we began the process with ESPN on having one-on-ones with our schools. They're in the process of visiting every school, and we're looking at what equipment. We've ordered equipment last week. Uh, schools are ordering cameras. Now, not everyone's doing this, but everyone's going to have to upgrade. Some schools are already in a pretty good position. Montana Montana State, they're already in a pretty good position. Sure. Um, but we've got to get our level the same across the board. But there's graphics packages each school have to purchase so that everything has that ESPN uh, branding. Now, there still are some games, like if SWX is doing a game, we'll be able to take that feed right. and, and put it on um, ESPN+. Plus. And, you know, we're selling this to our schools, and we need to sell it to our fans, that this is a marathon, not a sprint. Sure. Um, I have a friend who works for the Big West, and they've been working on their ESPN Plus initiative for 18 months. He called me and said, I don't know how you are going to accomplish this in three months. Mm -hmm. So we know that come September 2nd, when we have our first football game, It's not going to be exactly the way we want it to be, and it's going to take time. But overall, it's going to be a better uh, viewing experience uh, for our fans. And then uh, this ESPNU piece is great for us because no other FCS conference other than the HBCUs have linear games during the regular season on ESPN. So this was huge for us in signing the deal that we're getting two regular season games uh, on ESPNU.
0: One thing that's always a point of contention is when content starts being charged for. But one thing I got to tell you, I mean, you're, you're listening to ESPN radio right now. ESPN Plus, first of all, if you're listening to this, you're a sports fan. You're loving it get it because you're going to love it. It's a great service. It has all the 30 for 30s on yeah. there. There's all sorts. Of, I mean, it's totally worth the money. I watch it every single day. But the other thing is, though, if you know the business model of ESPN, you've been paying the same fee for ESPN forever since ESPN was created. It was just included in your cable package. Now you might not have cable, but there's been a 6 or $7 fee for ESPN since the beginning of ESPN back in the 1980s. So uh, you've always been paying for it. And I'll always remind you, like content that's worth paying for just pay for it do it at skyline sports do it at espn plus it's just it's worth paying for it and it'll make the product better as well
3: you're absolutely 100% right and i love that you said that because You know, I I do a lot of research on television, a lot of research on, you know, (laughs) the the business. And people do not understand, you know, that in their cable bill, the highest thing they're paying for is ESPN. That is how they afford to go out and buy the rights to Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NBA, college football, college basketball. That's how the business works. So... In order for them to attain the rights to um, televise those games, yes, they make money in advertising, but the vast majority of their revenue comes from subscription fees. It's important to remember. Nuon is Now,
0: 1029 ESPN, Missoula, SWX, Montana Television. And from most of the listeners of this show, it'll be just the same. You're just going to have a different entry point. So it'll just be easier for you to find. And maybe you'll find some other great sporting content on there as well. John Casper, Associate Commissioner of the Big Sky Conference, joining me uh, here on Nuon is Now. And, John, the scheduling has also been uh, an interesting fold. Southern Utah leads, leaves the league after 2021 season. And I know that uh, Dan Satter, another deputy commissioner, has been sort of the head guy for this uh, revamping of the schedule but you guys released three years worth of schedules and so uh, that's obviously an arduous task but you must be pretty happy at least to have some sort of structure for what 2022 2023 and 2024 might bring.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and and we kind of had to to put that at the top of our priority list with Southern Utah announcing that they were leaving the league. We had already had schedules done for 22 and 23, so we had to go back to the drawing board. Uh, We have a football committee now uh, that consists of like three athletic directors, two senior women administrators, so they spent a lot of time. Um, after consulting with our football coaches as to what they would like to see, how many rivalries where you play the same team every year, um, you know, and, and how quickly you go through the conference and get to go to every site. That was a contention with this last scheduling model we had. We had student athletes that, you know, I remember a case where. Um, Eastern Washington went to Weber State like in 2012 when Vernon Adams was a senior, and they didn't go back to Weber State for five years. With this new model, like... In the, over the course of four years, every student-athlete will play a home and road against uh, every team. And you know, you can argue about the two rivals. I know there's a lot of Montana fans that were like, "Well, we want to play Eastern Washington every year. We want to play Idaho every year." Yeah. And unfortunately, that's just not possible when we went when we decided to go to the the two rivals. So naturally, you're going to have Montana uh, State. That I mean, that's a given, right? Yeah. Well, but you got to look at the other schools and what their wants and needs are as well. And so, you know, Portland State... a lot of Grizz fans in Portland. So um, Portland State loves the fact that they're going to play Montana uh, at home uh, every other year. And I know Montana likes going to Portland State because, because of the alumni um, out there. And you're still going to see Eastern. You're still going to see Idaho. Um, but with 12 teams, it's just not possible, obviously, to play everyone every year. But the scheduling process, until you go through it, until you live it, until you understand the parameters, uh, and every time you put a new parameter in, it makes it more difficult to create a schedule and I will tell you that Dan Satter is one of the smartest people I've ever worked with and I think that there were some weeks where he maybe slept an hour a night because I don't know how he was turning around. And understand these schedules that were, were released. There were other drafts and tweaks made. And this and um, so you know we're we're trying to get the next three years out as quickly as possible because we see this as a a six year cycle. And so you need to look at it over six years, not just the three that we've released. But we wanted to get those out there as quickly as possible because um, you know teams want to the schools want to schedule home for next year, and so we got the three done, and and we're working really hard to get uh, what, five, 25, 6, and 7 uh, out of the way.
0: John Casper, Senior Associate Commissioner for Championships for the Big Sky Conference joining me. I guy that's been around the Big Sky for quite some time, and uh, a native Montana himself, too. I guess you're not quite a native
3: Montana, right? But well, I was born in North Dakota. lived there for the first 13 and a half years of my life, but I mean, I went to high school in Montana. I went to college in Montana. I spent the early years of, of my adult life in Montana my brother lives in Billings, yeah. so, uh, and I love the state of Montana. Yeah. A year ago at this time, I was up at Glacier National Park. Yeah. And uh, so, I, yeah, I mean, obviously, Montana is very near and dear to my heart as a state and would l- someday love to, to move back there. I still love the city of Great Falls. I love Bozeman. I mean, I love Harlowton, uh, you know, Miles day. City, Sydney, Glendive, uh, Whitefish, you name it. I, l- I just I love the state. I love the culture of, uh, of Montana. Sort of a broad view question for you, though, as the director of championships. One thing that
0: has been put under full display, such a bright spotlight over the last couple years, is the fact that the NCAA, in its essence, is a championship administering entity. That's what their primary goal is: is to administer championships for Division One sports. The only sport that the NCAA does not administered the championship for is the FBS football, college football playoff. That has been emphasized more these last couple years than ever before, and now we're seeing sort of this fracturing from the top level of college football on down. The big news of the week is this speculation, heavy speculation, and, and likely confirmation soon of Texas and Oklahoma leading the Big 12. So I know this is sort of a broad question, but when you sort of analyze the state of, of college football as it is, the... The FCS is the Division One championship for college football, which then gives the Big Sky, I think, a great platform, a great uh, foothold for more uh, risen national exposure. But what do you think of just sort of the state of college football as a whole and, and the fact that now it seems like the separation to the college football playoff is going to have an effect on pretty much everybody?
3: Yeah, this news this last week is—I you, 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 mean—you think back to like a decade ago when this happened, and the dominoes started falling, and falling, and that's you know when Utah, and Colorado, went to the Pac-12, and Nebraska went to the Big Ten, and um, the SEC picked up you know, Texas A&M, and and now is this the start of that again? Is it the start of the super conferences that were predicted uh, 10 years ago? Uh, It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out and how it does trickle down to potentially um, our level, the FCS, and... um, So it's an interesting time to work in college athletics. I mean, number one, coming through this pandemic and what that has done to institutions. And then you have, obviously, the change in name, image, and likeness, which we're all trying to wrap our heads around. Um, And obviously, a lot of things that have happened, uh, you know, with the NCAA. And it's, yeah, you you know, there's been a lot of athletic directors that have retired recently recently or left for other positions around the country, and you kind of understand why. It's a really hard job, and very little of it is right now about the actual athletics. So we'll see what happens. Um, obviously, we need to be ready um, for look at the, vi- you know, have a vision to see what potentially be out there. And I know that Tom, our commissioner, Tom Wistersill, is heavily involved in national um discussions and he really wants to be a leader at the FCS uh, level which which I think is, is great so man if, if you have uh, a crystal ball let me know so we can have an idea of what's going to Transpire, but obviously the playoffs are probably going to get bigger. Uh, there's going to be bigger conferences, and it's always funny though how many people don't understand or realize that the NCA really has nothing to do with the postseason right. in FBS football. The bowl games, none of that, none of that money, it really goes back to the NCA. None of that football playoff money goes back to the NCAA. Um, Offices, so the basketball tournament is what drives the NCAA revenue.
0: That's why we had to get it done for the Big Sky tournament uh, earlier this year in March. All that said, John, though the league as it is right now, I mean, you covered the league from a media perspective for a long time, and I've found the the evolution of the league over the last 20 years to be utterly fascinating. From uh, expansion of multiple teams now, Southern Utah leaving after North Dakota already went that same way, Uh, but it seems to continue to spin. And spin and spin. But now it seems as if there's as many competitive teams, as many teams that are invested in football as ever before. So just from a fan analyst perspective, what is your perspective on the league?
3: Yeah. I mean, I remember when I started working at the Big Sky Conference, and we had eight schools, and you played everyone, and and then we added Northern Colorado, and then we obviously got to thirteen, and actually kind of had fourteen with North Dakota, that North Dakota thing uh, for a couple years, and so yeah, obviously we've gotten bigger. Um, you can say I don't like that. Some are traditionalists, sure. but um, you know it's it's been. Yeah, you look at football this year, and we have five teams that are going to start the season ranked. In in a big-side football, you know this, that there's always a team that's picked low that's going to make a run. Like, is it NAU this year? Uh, Shoot, you can look at Southern. You know, Southern Utah went one in five. And they lost three games in the last 10 seconds. Right. How closer were they right. to being really good? So, you know, maybe playing that spring helped them, and they're going to learn from those experiences and come out. And you look at Cal Poly, and you know they got a great coach in Bo Baldwin, but you know it's going to take them a little time to make that transition from the triple option offense to what Bo likes to do and, and pass the ball. But really, man, when you look at our league, there's not – there's not very many games that you can you can go ah oh, we're going to win that one pretty easy we don't need to show up you need to show up every Week in in uh, Big Sky football, or you're going to be in trouble. And you know, I, we're fighting for national championships, and we know that James Madison and North Dakota State are the two teams that have kind of separated themselves. And we want to be there. We want to win national championships. And I'll tell you right now, one of the things that we're working on that our presidents have requested is that we work on strategic plans for all our sports. And we started we've started those discussions already, but really talked about it with our coaches. And so, like next uh, spring. When we have our spring meetings, our presidents have asked to see strategic plans in football and in basketball and all of our Olympic sports. What do we need to do to stay at a, at a, in football as one of the premier FCS conferences? And is that cost of attendance, is that scheduling? There's a, you know, we have uh, probably a list of 50 things that we're going to look at and study and, and come up with a strategic plan. And we're going to do that for all our sports.
0: John Casper, Big Sky Conference, John. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much for being with us.
3: As always, thanks, Coulter. We appreciate what you guys do. Thank you so much.
0: No is now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television. Keep it right here. We'll take you home on a Monday from the Big Sky kickoff. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally.
3: This is
0: Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. Hey, welcome back. Thanks so much for hanging out with us on a Monday. You already know it, Nuanas Now podcast. You can find the whole show from Andrew Houghton to Jace Lewis, Dylan Cook, Brent Vegan, John Casper, Sam Herter. Outstanding Nuanas Now.